0: If you guys have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Timothy, chapter 6. 1 Timothy, chapter 6. Uh, one of the announcements that I did forget, uh, we, our, our group stained Red, we're going to be playing at a ministry in uh, Gladewater, Texas on March 14th. Uh, this is a, uh, it's called Restoration 180. It's a ministry for, for battered women and also women who are dealing with addictions and, and stuff like that. So you guys keep us in prayer because that's a, it's a great outreach. And I think God's going to use us to lift these ladies up and help them to get their focus right where it belongs. And that's on Christ. So anyway, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verses 11 and 12. And once you find your place, as always, we ask you to please stand for the reading of God's holy word. The Apostle Paul says, but you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, love endurance and gentleness and fight the good fight of faith and take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you this morning for the reading of your word. Father, we thank you for another day that we have that we can come and just hear from you, hear from heaven. We ask even now that the Holy Spirit would begin to move by the power of the Most High God and begin to open the ears of your people, open our eyes, open our minds, that we we may receive all that you have for us, God. Father, I just ask that you just hide your servant behind the cross right now that you may be glorified in each and everything I say and do this morning. Father, I don't really feel like myself this morning. I feel like I'm... uh, In a slump, but I'm glad that your word tells me that your strength is made perfect in my weaknesses. So God, I'm not trusting in me and my strength, but I'm trusting in you and you alone. Now Lord, have your way. Speak through me, God, and and use me as a vessel worthy of you. We love you now in Jesus' name. And God's people said amen, and amen. You may be seated. Now... Last week, if you were here, you know that we concluded a a three-part sermon series that was entitled, does anybody remember what it was titled? Anybody? Oh, Kristen, go to your notes. Tell me. I want someone to answer this. Thank God someone remembered. See, that's what I always tell you, you know, the, the shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. Oh, come on, amen. In other words, if you don't write it down, more than likely you will forget it. But we were, our sermon series was entitled The Original Sin of Men. And we went all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. And we saw how the enemy came and he used this one question, did God really say? And through that one question, we saw five different avenues that the enemy comes into our lives to approach us. And that was the, the questioning road, the confusion road, the road of deception and the road of unbelief and also the road of doubt. And we saw that all five of these roads, they lead to five doorways. Do y'all remember what doorways they were? The doorways of our senses. Through our eyes, through our ears, through our touch, through our taste. And, and all these doorways are what, what the enemy will enter into your life. See, he has to have a way to approach you to enter through you. And so he uses these doorways to come into our life to to bring confusion, deception, unbelief, and pain and suffering, all these senses he uses for his advantage so that we will stumble and fall. And so we need to listen to the words of Peter this morning because Peter he, he's teaching us not, not to really trust in, in our senses, but to trust in the Lord all, Almighty. Can I get an amen? Peter says, dear friends, in 1 Peter two eleven and 12, he says, dear friends, I, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from the sinful desires which war against your soul. He says, live such good lives that, that though the pagans, they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and, and glorify God on the day he visits us. Can I get an amen? And he also tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, he says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He said, resist him, stand firm to faith because you know your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings." So, So the enemy, even now as we speak, is looking for that doorway. He's looking for a way into your life. We know the Bible tells us in John 10 and 10, he has one purpose, and that is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he'll come right in these doorways, and he'll do exactly that. He'll kill your dreams. He'll destroy your life. He will rip you apart. He can do everything but take you out of this world. Hey, come on, amen. And he will. And he'll push you to the limits. So so God... He gives us his grace. He gives us his strength so that we may persevere and so that we may endure. And we need to listen to Peter because you need to remember what Jesus told Peter in Luke 22 and 31 and 32. Listen carefully. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers, And that's exactly what Peter is doing in these last verses that we just read. He's trying to strengthen us, to prepare us, because he knows that Satan will come to us and try to sift us like wheat. Now, I'm not exactly sure what that all means, but it doesn't sound very pleasant to be sifted by the devil. Can I get an amen? And so looking today at our text, it actually begins with this. Paul says, but you, man of God, flee from all this. And you have to ask yourself, well, what is the this? Well, it's a great segue to everything that we've been learning for the past three or four weeks about how the enemy comes through our senses. And, and for example, we saw through, through the eye door, the eye door, he shows us the things of this world, the things that would pull us away from the cross. Our focus turns away from God and turns to God. We begin to focus on, on the money of this world. John tells us, he tells us in 1 John, he says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. For anyone who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Can I get an Amen. And so his, his focus is to, to get young people, especially, get their focus on the things of this world, fame and fortune and all the things that the world promises them that lead them to nowhere. And so, Paul, he tells Timothy before our text that, 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 that the love of money, he says, 1 Timothy 6 and 10, he said, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people eager for money have, have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. Now here's something that I didn't realize, and you probably didn't realize it either, is that about about five months ago, maybe, yeah, five months ago, in the month of October, God gave me the same text to preach from. Now, now I didn't know this until I actually tried to save the message on my computer, and then it showed me that I had a message that was entitled, Fight the Good Fight. And I'm thinking, well, God, You gave us a a, a message six months ago or five months ago from the same text. So so questions begin to ring in my head. Why would God bring us back to the same text again? Think about it. It sounds like a father or a mother, right? It's like they, they repeat themselves. Until what? Until the child gets it. In other words, obviously... We may not learn exactly what it was that God was trying to teach us. We might have heard it, but there's a difference between hearing and learning. Come on, amen. You can hear your parents, but you don't always learn until you actually do what they say. And so we might have heard the message, but we may not participate in what God tried to teach us. And so God, I, I can tell you that God is not in the business of repeating himself over and, and over. I'm not, I'm not sure he's, he's like doing that to us because like any good parent, he probably gets tired of repeating himself. But he does love us unconditionally. Hosea tells us like Adam, they've broken the covenant. They were unfaithful to me there. Like Adam. Like Adam, they broke the covenant and they were unfaithful to me. So many times God would teach us something and we we hear it, but we do not learn it. And so we're unfaithful with what God has given us. Lamentations 3 and 40. Solomon tells us, let us examine our ways and let us test them and let us return to the Lord. So God's God's will for our life is not to continue to wander in the wilderness like the the children of Israel did for 40 years. But it's it's God's will that we return to him and walk according to his will, according to his pleasure, according to his word. Are you with me this morning? So here's what I decided. I said, you know what? I saw this and I said, I'm not even going to pull that old message out. Because if I pull it out of my files I'm going to probably cheat Come on, amen if, if you were a preacher And you had to prepare a message every week And you had one on the same text You'd be like, ooh, six months ago they don't, They're not going to remember nothing So I decided I'm going to leave it in the file I'm not even going to look at it Because I wanted to get a fresh word To see what God would have to say today Now here's what I want to do though I want to go back Maybe tomorrow morning And take the old message out of the file And compare it to what God is teaching us today And see what changed And who knows, maybe next week I will come back and preach on what was different Or whatever, on, in a comparison I don't know what God would have me to do But I know that, that He wants me to look at it And see what's different But today, we're, we're going to see what He has to say to us personally So let's call our message today Fighting Again not fighting the good fight like last time, but this time we're going to call it fighting again. I want you to turn to your neighbor this morning and say, "Neighbor, looks like we're back in the ring again, fighting the same opponent." Hmm. Now let me tell you what comes to mind. As an amateur fighter, we're going to talk a lot about fighting today, but, but as an amateur fighter, one of the toughest things that I had to fight or had to face was we were doing a big tournament in, in, in Paris, Texas. I won Paris, uh, Paris, Texas two years in a row and did really good up there. But, but the first year that I fought up there, it was the second night that we fought and one of the young men pulled out of the tournament who was in my weight category. So guess what happened? They re-pulled my name out of the hat. So that means I had to do the unthinkable. I had to fight twice In one night Now that may not sound like much to you But listen If you fight for three nights One time a night Your body is what? Beaten and bruised Your face even hurts Come on, amen You're like, ugh Come on, everything hurts Because you're getting pounded on You're getting beaten on But I had a fight for two nights in a row And my dad, he was furious He's like, no, no You can't do my son like that That's not even fair That's not even right To cause some young man to fight But here's what happened The truth was Is that I had trained myself very hard for this tournament. I wanted to win it very bad, so I I trained extra to win it, but little did I know what I was going to have to face to fight twice in one night. And so when I stepped into the ring, I noticed that my opponent was called Knockout Nelson. He was about 6'2", as a black guy, and he was quick and he was fast, and I knew he was a good fighter from Oklahoma. So Knockout Nelson, he steps in in the ring, and I noticed that he was overconfident in himself. Because he knew that I had already fought previously about 30, about an hour earlier. And so, I used that as my advantage. I took what I had trained and all the hard work. I used that because when he came, he approached me fast. He's wanting to get rid of me quickly. But, but I caught him with the right hook. And it changed the whole story. His face, his incontinence completely changed. In, in other words... Whenever you find yourself face to face with situation, when you think that you cannot push any farther, that you cannot go any longer, I can promise you, inside of you, God has something that you don't even know that you have. You can dig deeper, and you can find something inside of you that, that, that the devil cannot bring you out, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the power of God, he he works in us so powerfully that we we can't even fathom. We don't know exactly what he's doing inside of us, but, but it's at those times when we are the weakest. I can promise you, God's strength can be made perfect. In other words, when you feel like you can't go, I can't fight no more. I can't do this no more. I can promise you, God will step up to the plate and he will do it for you. Are y'all with me this morning? So we have to train. We have to prepare ourselves for the battle because our whole entire lives will be all about fighting against the enemy. From this day forward, I can promise you, every day you're going to find yourself in a battle with the enemy, some way or another. So Paul, he tells us in Second Timothy 2 and 15, he said that we are to study and show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed in rightly dividing the word of truth. 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. He says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wise tales, but rather train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promises for both the present life and the life to come. So no matter what you're facing today or what you're going to face tomorrow or next month or the next month after that or even next year, whatever it is. Remember this one verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. We know this. We should know this. It says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man, that God is faithful and just. He will not, listen, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So when you think that I'm at the end of my rope, You you remember God's word because God's word does not return void, but it shall accomplish that which he pleases and the purpose for which he has sent it. Come on, amen. In in other words, when you think about Christ, the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, when he was led into the wilderness for, for 40 days after fasting and praying, when did the enemy come to him? At the beginning, when he was strong and feeling healthy. Come on, amen. No, no, no. The enemy will wait Till you are at your weakest. And then he comes. Because he's a coward. Come on, amen. He's weak, he's a liar, and he's already defeated. I like what R.W. Shambach said that, the, that, that Jesus already pulled his teeth. He may be a roaring lion, but he can't bite none of us. Come on, amen. That's some good preaching. That's some old-fashioned stuff, but I like it, man. And so Paul... I like the words at the end of his life. We read in First, I mean Second Timothy four and seven. Listen to these words. He says, "I have fought the good fight, I finished the race, I have kept the faith." How would you like to have that written across your tombstone? Come on, Amen. Someone walks up and sees your name, and right there it says, "I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I kept the faith." See the enemy? He he wants to prevent you from racing. He wants to knock you out of race. He wants to take your faith. Well, he can't take something that don't belong to you. Come on, amen. So you have to fight for what is yours. You have to stand strong. Believe God for the good things in life. And so the things that we should be pursuing is, is the thing Paul has written in this list today. And this is what we're going to talk about. The things that we should be pursuing in life. Not the things of this world, but the things of God. Because obviously we, we pursue happiness and wealth and fame and fortune and peace and all these things. And, and so we need to pursue the things of God. Paul says in Colossians 3, 1 and 3. He says, since then you've been raised with Christ. He says, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. In other words, when you get down in that slump, kind of like I am this morning, and and you don't know what it feels like when you just feel like you can't. I'm telling you, it it gets crazy up here, especially when you're preaching. And and you you think the enemy's come against you, you ought to step in these shoes a while. And I can tell you, the enemy comes against me with, with, he he sends the number one devils he has against me because he knows if he can cause me to stumble, you guys are going to fall right with me. Come on, amen. So I don't know how many of y'all hadn't prayed for your pastor this week, but pray for your preacher. Come on, amen. I'm not asking, I'm telling you as your pastor, I need prayer, period. Because it's tough doing what I have to do. Because the Bible says, if I strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. Think about it. I don't even know where I was, but, but I'm liking anyway. But Paul says, since then you've been raised with Christ, Set your hearts on things above. Set your mind on things above. And so, so when the enemy does come in, we begin to think on the good things in life. Think about the pleasures of life that God has given you. Think about your life. I, I just heard on Facebook, one of my friends I, I graduated with, she, she had a stroke. Young lady, here she is having a stroke and losing all her motor skills and stuff. It's terrible. It's terrible. And so she, she, at this point in her life, she's at a great battle. And so I can imagine she's laying there in bed thinking, I'll never overcome this. Well, my Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, so when you do feel yourself like you're so defeated, that's when you need to call on the word of God, like Christ did. When he was tempted after 40 days, he said, it is written, it is written, it is written, that man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Come on, amen. And so either you're going to trust in, in you and in your flesh or you're going to trust in the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you, if you trust in your own strength and your own power, you will continue to fall and stumble. Now last week, we, we ended on how Adam and Eve, they, they took fig leaves and they made coverings for themselves. And what's interesting is that this is a great segue because that that is how we're beginning today. Because those coverings that they made, I told you that was a form of self-righteousness. Covering yourself. Trying to do something that that pleases God. Now listen, he tells us in our text that that we are pursuing righteousness. There's two types of righteousness. Can y'all tell me what they are? Anybody. Anybody. The two types of righteousness is this. Man's righteousness and God's righteousness. Okay, listen carefully. God's righteousness is when we trust in what he has already done for us. Man's righteousness is what we can do for him. Now, which one, which one should we be pursuing? God's righteousness or our righteousness? Amen. Thank you for that answer. Good answer. Okay, and so, so we look at the father of faith who is Abraham. Abraham. The Bible says that Abraham, he he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And because he believed God, his faith put some shoes on and he began to do what God tells him to do. In other words, you have to believe before you will actually see. Are you with me? So if you want to see great things from God, you got to first believe him first that he can accomplish that which he says. And so... We come to 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. It talks about God's righteousness right here. It said that God made him, referring to Jesus, God made him who had no sin to be sin so that in him we might become what? The righteousness of God. So what does the devil tell us? He'll say, Elizabeth, you ain't nothing but a rotten, no good sinner. Come on, amen. That's what he tells us every day. But you say, no, 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 no. I'm not a rotten, no good sinner because that's who I was. Because my Bible says that I am the righteousness of Christ. Not because I'm good, because he was awesome. And so I'm not trusting in my strength. I'm trusting in his righteousness. I'm trusting what he accomplished on the cross. Because I didn't go to the cross and I didn't die for the sins of the world. Now, I'm called to die daily to my sins. But, but I didn't do it for the world. Only one did that. and He was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Are you with me this morning? So Paul tells us in Romans 6.13. He says, do not offer any parts of yourself to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as instruments of righteousness now what comes to my mind is when I think about instruments of righteousness I think about surgeons surgeons who have a table of tools that have been prepared they have been made pure because if these these tools are not clean and, and, and set apart then then what would happen contamination would set in and it would kill the individual so, so the surgeon is using tools that have been prepared for the job. And so in the same way, God has prepared us as instruments of righteousness in an in, in a ungodly, a defiled, crooked generation full of, full of perverse, and you name it. It's all out here. And here we are, tools of righteousness in the hands of God. Come on, amen. We're like a scalpel that God is using us to cut off the sin of the enemy in people's life. What sword do we have? The word of God. We take the word of God and say it is written. The word of God is quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing and sun or sowing spirit. And joins moral, And it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God is quick. It's powerful. And it's able to cut the things off people's life. That, that the flesh wants to hold on to. But the spirit of God is wanting to cut it off people. So even when I preach, you may say, oh, out, it's hurting me. Well, that's a good thing because that means God's trying to cut those things off of your life. If you have a lying tongue and I'm up here talking about lying, then you're like, oh, don't go. I use this a lot, you know. And and so God's like, no, I got to cut this off because if I don't cut the, the, the limb off, it won't bear the proper fruit. So God, the number two on the list, he said, I want you to pursue godliness. Now this lines up perfectly with the other, righteousness. But godliness. Pursue godliness. That means to pursue his word, his way, and his will. And the only way that we can accomplish that is by the grace of God. God gives us this thing called grace so that we can be godly. Let, let me show you what grace does. Grace, the same grace that God gives us to save us is the same grace that God uses that teaches us to say no. Let me show you scriptures. First, let's read 2 Corinthians 9 and 8. And God is able to make all grace Abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. So he gives you the grace to what? To do the good works of God. Without the grace of God, we could not have do that, right? So Titus 2, 11 through 14. Now listen to this. This is where it says no. It says for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and the worldly lusts and to live self-controlled and upright lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of our great God and Savior who gave himself for us to redeem for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is right. You see, when you feel eager inside to do something good for God, you know what that is? That's God's grace working in you. Because if you're inside of you you don't feel like I don't want to do nothing for nobody I just want to be left alone that's not God's grace that's the enemy trying to pull you down. Yep. But it's the grace of God that says you know what don't give up keep going forward God can still use you. And when ungodliness which is the opposite of godliness when ungodliness comes the grace of God will say no. Speak to the Yeah, speak to the hand. I say, just write no on your hand. That'd be awesome. If you don't get a tattoo, just get no on your hand. (laughs) Come on, amen. Now we come to the third thing on the list that we should be pursuing, and that is faith. Now this is interesting because God is calling us to pursue something that's not physical at all. We're called to pursue an unseen thing. The Bible says that faith, Hebrews 11 and 1, that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. So, so how do we actually pursue, listen, how do we actually pursue something that's intangible? Well, it's kind of like this. You answer the question with the question. In other words, the only way to pursue faith is. Is through faith. Hebrews 11 and 6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He is and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So we pursue faith through faith. But there's one more part here. God has given us a scripture that will help build our faith. Do y'all know what it is? It's Romans 10 and 17. It says, So then faith... King James Version says, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That the more you hear the word of God, the more your faith will grow. People say, I don't have to go to church. I don't need to go to church. Yes, you do if you want your faith to grow. Because I can promise you, you get caught up at work, you get caught up at your family, you get caught up with the children, the grandchildren, and all these things will pull you away from the thing that will cause you to grow the most, and that's the Word of God. If if you don't want to grow, then stay away from the Word of God. But just the opposite. If you want to grow, faith come by hearing and hearing. The more you listen to these messages, just hit rewind, play it again, play it again, play it again, the more your faith will begin to grow. Because his word says it comes by hearing. And so now we come to the fourth thing on the list. We are called to pursue something called love. Pursue love. Well, this is simple. Because my Bible said that God is love. So the question is, are we pursuing God? Because you see, you, you, you cannot understand what love is until you understand who God is. The more you understand who God is, the more you understand his word, the more you understand what love is. Are you listening? 1 John 4 and 10, he said, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. 1 John four nineteen. it says, we love because he first loved us. See, the world we live in, they think they know what love is but they don't have a clue because they don't know who God is. And you can't know what true love is. They know what lust is and they get the too confused. But lust is nothing like love. So God tells us what love is. 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always, come on, it always perseveres. Love never fails. And so if it's not on this list of these 16 things, then it's not love. Young people say, I love you, but they're impatient. I love you, but they're not kind. They're jealous. They're envious. Come on, amen. They're not even practicing love because they haven't even understood what love is. You want to know what God's all about? Then study 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. It tells you what love is. All these things that love is is a picture of who God is. God is patient. He's kind. He's long-suffering. He's patient. Come on, amen. He's kind. He's generous. He's merciful. He's God. Can I finish this? Where's Kobe? He's not here either. Well, I got got me another. Bob, let me finish. Thank you, man. Number five is that on the list is that we should be looking for endurance. We should be seeking endurance. Now, endurance, it only comes through training, but it also comes through pushing through the pain. See, endurance really does not start until you get to the pain. In other words, if you were a fighter and you knew you had to fight a two-minute round, you're not going to train for one minute. You're going to train beyond that. If if you're going to fight three minutes, you better train for at least four. Come on, amen. If you're a runner and you're running a marathon and you're going to run a five-mile run, I bet you run at least seven a day. Come on, amen. Because... Because when you get to the point of pain, that's where everybody wants to quit. You can't can't tell me there, there hadn't been people in the church that you know from your past who got to the point of pain. My class ain't growing. No one shows up. Blah, blah, wah, wah. When the pain comes, what do they do? I quit. Come on, amen. You're at work. I don't get a raise. My boss don't pay attention to me. Come on, I'm in. And you start telling your wham whas, and all of a sudden you get to the pain, and what do you do? I quit. You cannot endure. You cannot persevere till you get to the pain and press beyond. Let me, let's go back to that fight. I stepped in the ring already in pain. Don't, don't think for a moment I didn't want to quit. But you know what I saw? I saw the prize sitting on the table, this big trophy. I'm like, oh, yeah. That one's mine, baby. But but the only way I'm going to get that trophy in my house, I got to press through the pain. And some of y'all, you got your eyes on the trophy, but the pain is choking you down. Oh, I feel bad. I just don't want to get out of bed. It's just too much on me. But God says, you can do all things things through Christ who strengthens you. James tells us in 1st James 2 and 4 he says consider it pure joy my brothers whenever you face trials of many kind because the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be complete and mature not lacking anything. Consider it pure joy. In, In other words Praise God I'm going through something. Because I'm going through something. I'm not going to stay there very long. I'm going to just keep going through it until I get through this thing called life. I'm going to close with this one. We're called to pursue something called gentleness. Gentleness. Who's texting? <laughs> I get get these texts on Sunday around 12. I mean, who's going to text a preacher around 12? (laughs) Where do you think he is? Is it my son? Probably. Okay. Pastor, I'm not going to be here today. Really? (laughs) Okay. Come on, amen. Let's let's talk about gentleness. Here, I'm talking about gentleness. I'm getting rough up here. Here's what I think about gentleness. I think about newborn babes. When I had three of my children, I remember how gentle. I, it's like trying to hold little fragile pieces of glass. I didn't want to hurt them. And then the nurse comes in, she's like. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, whoa, hey, hey, that's my baby. Because they know what, what the child can take. They, they've been around them every day, but we're, we're like that. Well, this is where I see God holds us. Gentle. Like, like newborn babes. And so when we have new people who are saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, they don't know how to change yet. And so instead of getting rough with them, we, we need to be gentle, loving, and kind, and compassionate. It's okay. I know you failed, but, but if you'll just get back up and you keep trying, you, you will persevere. Come on, amen. But, 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 you know, if we treat them rough and harsh, then they'll, they'll never learn. Sometimes a parent needs to be strong, but a lot of times a parent just needs to be loving and gentle and kind. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty-eight 28 and 30, he says, come to me. Did he say come? Just come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Could you imagine if I got up here every week, hell, fire, and brimstone. You're all going to hell. Man, it'd be horrible. Y'all just keep coming and taking it, but come on, amen. <laughs> but, but I have to, you have to be gentle. Now, Paul says, let, let every conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt. So, so, you, you have to use a lot of grace, but then you got to put a little salt on there because you have to say, you know what? If, if we don't turn from our evilness, there, there's, there's, a, there's consequences because the Bible says the wages of sin is. So if we take, take this grace of God and we use it for a license of sin and we continue to sin over and over and over, then the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And then you find yourself in the hospital dying, and you're saying, what did I do? What didn't you do? Come on, amen. Because a lot of times we find ourselves in the trouble that we are because we ignored God. The Bible says in, I don't know the address, but it says, "When, when I called, they did not listen. So when they called, I would not listen. See, God's calling a lot of you right now. I don't hear you. And so then you get yourself in that trouble and say, God, I need you. Come on, amen. You're wondering, why didn't you answer me? Well, why didn't you answer me? Oh, got quiet in here. Proverbs 15 and one says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. First Corinthians four and 21 What do you prefer, Paul says? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline or shall I come in love and with a gentle spirit? Come on, amen. That's what people need. Our our world's already condemned to hell. What our world needs today is some people who would not just tell them that they love them. The world needs to see some love. Let's all stand. So if you want to know what you're called to do today, like, I know I'm called to do something, preacher. I would start right there. The Bible says, if you are faithful with the little things, then God will give you greater things. So start with love. Jesus said, "All but I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you ouch, that's, that's almost impossible. But he says, no, it's not, because I'm going to give you something called grace to accomplish it. You cannot do this without my grace. But if I give you the grace, then you can't tell me you can't do it because I gave you the power to accomplish it. Oh, amen. So, Father, we, we come for you right now, and we thank you for this message today. We, we want to begin to pursue the things of God and not pursue the things of this world because the things of this world are passing and fleeting. And we don't want to chain ourselves up to the things that would cause us to stumble, but we want to be free because your word says when the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. So, Father, if there's anybody here today who needs salvation, God, I ask you, just touch the heart. You come down right now, whoever you may be. If you need prayer, I'm here to pray for you. The Bible says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And you can ask my wife right now. I was just struggling so much to preach this this message. But now that it's already been passed down to you, I I feel relieved. Maybe it was the enemy saying, you can't do this, son. Come on, amen. Amen. But it's just the prayer of my wife saying, come on, baby, you got to get up there. You can do this. I appreciate you guys. I know you're going through stuff because I live in the same world with you. When your body's hurting, your knee's hurting, don't lean to your own understanding. Just put your arm around Jesus right now and say, Lord, help me. Help walk with me. Lift me up. Carry me. If your back's hurting... Say, God, I need a touch right now. Just touch my back right now. I I feel somebody in this room right now, their back's hurting them pretty bad. They're like, I need to go home and get me some Don's back pills. Come on, amen. Let me tell you, the only pill you need right now is the Gospel pills. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those, Those pills right there, they'll work every time. My Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. And the chastisement of his peace was upon him and by his stripes... We are healed. The devil says, you're not healed. Well, my word says I am. I may not feel healed, but I don't go by feelings. I walk by faith, not by sight. So don't let the, even if you, if I prayed for you like this, and you leave here, I still feel it. And I was telling Bob this one time, I said, listen, don't you understand what fathom pain is? Someone gets their foot cut off, that foot be itching. That foot ain't even there. That's called fathom. In other words, you're feeling something that was. And that's what the enemy does. You you can get saved today and walk out of that door and say, man, I was feeling saved. Now I don't feel saved. Fathom pain. Come on, amen. Amen. But, Lord, we praise you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for our visitors. And I thank you for speaking through me now. Now go with us, God, and bless us all the way. In Jesus' name and God's people, said, amen and amen.